Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. Each week brings a new message that looks to invite you into a new life brought by Jesus Christ. We hope you are inspired and changed by God by the message brought by today's speaker. good to be with you uh, once more. So uh, such a wonderful opportunity to be with you as we continue uh, in this uh, message series, uh, Change Your World in 52 Days, as we look into the, to the life of Nehemiah and this wonderful story that we all, um, if you've been in the church any length of time, you're pretty familiar with the, with the story of Nehemiah and uh, what it means. Uh, But as I go through these messages, I'm hopeful, and I believe it to be true, because it's happened to me, uh, that God would bring out something brand new that maybe you've never realized, or maybe you've never thought of before. As we look at at this uh, wonderful man, this man who wasn't a warrior, he wasn't a prophet, uh, he wasn't a priest, he was He was just an ordinary individual who heard about a a tremendous need and decided that if anyone is going to do anything about this, it's going to be me. Someone has to do something, and it might as well be me. And uh, last week we looked at the three qualities of, of not only that we saw in Nehemiah, but within ourselves as well. And last week I asked you the question, what breaks your heart? What outside there in the world in which we live or even in, within the church of Jesus Christ, what is it that breaks your heart? Because as we've seen last week, Nehemiah's heart was broken. Even though that he was a thousand miles away from Jerusalem, serving in the, in the context of a cupbearer of the king Artaxerxes, when he heard the report from, from his brother and the others, his heart was broken. And the scriptures say that he sat down and wept and cried. What breaks your heart? What is it that thing that is out there, that circumstance, that situation that just breaks your heart? And And we kind of looked at what Nehemiah did in that context, and we discovered, first of all, that that he sat down and wept. And that's what we must do. If we're going to make a difference in whatever that situation or circumstance might be, we have to take time to sit down and weep. Even Jesus, as he approached Jerusalem and looked over this, this wonderful magnificent area he wept the lord of all the universe the one who created everything wept over jerusalem because they had gone away and had pulled away from the lord oh jerusalem jerusalem how i long to 
gather you as a hen gathers the chicks under my under her wings, but you were unwilling. There's definite sadness in that. And Nehemiah, he sat down and wept as he thought about the reality that this land that he loved in the capital city of Jerusalem lay in ru ruins. It was vulnerable from the enemies. And, and, and in, a, in a practical way, it was just an embarrassment. And we also learned that uh, Nehemiah took time to pray. You sit down to weep, and he knelt down to pray. And I said several times last week that we in the church of Jesus Christ have got to get back to a place of prayer. We have so often times, and this is just my opinion, you may agree or you may be wrong, but either way, <laughs> some of you caught that. <laughs> But in my opinion, the church of Jesus Christ has steadily and subtly drawn and drifted away from the power and the presence of prayer. And we have to get back. If we truly want the revival that we say that we want, it's not, it's not going to begin by having the most eloquent of speakers up before you. It's not going to begin by having the, the grandest of facilities. It is going to begin when men and women whose hearts are absolutely broken kneel down and fervently pray. And that is what Nehemiah did. In fact, I, uh, I read in the course of my studies that, that and I was unaware of this, but... Nehemiah didn't just do, sometimes we do, when we pray. We pray for a, a, a small period of time, a few minutes, over an issue. And we think, I've brought it to the Lord, and it's good enough. And not to say that that's not, that's not worthy or that's not good. That's not what I'm trying to say this morning. But Nehemiah was so heartbroken he was so devastated that what I read uh, last week, the research that I did, pointed out that Nehemiah didn't just pray for an hour or a day or a week. He prayed over the span of three to four months, some scholars say. His heart was truly, truly broken. And then he uh, gave an, a wonderful example. He didn't just leave it there. And as Christians, if we can actually get to the place that we can truly and fervently pray about something, we oftentimes lead it, leave it there. When God is saying, no, there's more. I want you to follow me. I want you to walk in the steps that, that I walk. Nehemiah got up from the place of prayer and he acted. He acted by going to the king. Now, this week, as we look in Nehemiah chapter 2 this morning, and you can uh, make your way there to Nehemiah chapter 2, I want to help you this morning uh, to begin to realize that there is a leader in you. And, and I know that some would say, oh, no, 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 you lost me there. You lost me there. I'm not a leader. I've never been a leader. I can't do the leader thing. No one is going to follow me. 
And I would, I would put before you this morning, first of all, I understand. I understand that. I, uh, a little over 20-some years ago, said that I would never be able to stand in front of people and talk. I was very, very introverted. In fact, I was so introverted that I would not answer my own family audibly. I was so uh, introverted. There was no way. When God first called me into ministry, I thought, God, you did it now. You made your first mistake. (laughs) And sometimes I've often said, you know, when God called me to ministry, I was pretty sure he had the wrong number because there was no way. And I often use 11th grade uh, in Greencastle, Indiana High School. 11th grade, we had speech class. Now, I don't know if they do that in some of the school districts here. We had speech class, public speaking And we had to get up, and I think it was 10 speeches that we had to give over the course of the class. And if you did all 10, and you did well enough, you got an A. If you did seven and were, you passed. Well, I passed. (laughs) I was not, I was, I was so afraid of getting up uh, to speak. In fact, I remember after God called me in the ministry and I ran for a little bit, uh, but the reality is, don't argue with God. You will lose every time. And so I thought, okay, God, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, okay, I'm going to pursue it. Uh, went to Mount Vernon, began to study for uh, the ministry down there was a part of, of a group of folks at that time was called Living Witness. I don't know if you remember these folks. It was a group of students who would go to different churches um, through the region and, and basically help them leading service. And I was Speaker B. And I love that because Speaker B almost never had to speak. So I got all the benefits and none of the work until until Fairmont, West Virginia. I still pray for those poor folks. And I got up there and man, I was ready. I had all kinds of notes. I was I was going to they were going to say, "Man, we've never heard this such wonderful, powerful Preaching, that is not what they heard. (laughs) That is not what they heard. In fact, uh, one uh, seasoned, and you could tell that she was uh, a very, very well within the church established, seasoned uh, lady at the end and said, we're going to pray for you that God continues to develop your gift. And you know what that told me? In my mind, I got it twisted up. Boy, you stink so bad that garbage smells better than you. You know, I had it all planned out. I was going to speak for the entire time. I think I might have spoken for five minutes. Didn't make a lick of sense. Said amen and thanked the Lord that it was over. 
So I understand when, it, when you say to me, I can't be a leader. There's, I'm, I'm just not gifted for it, and I understand that. But the reality is, many of you, most of you are leaders already, and you don't know it. If you have children or grandchildren or in the workplace, uh, you are a leader and don't even know it. And so what I want to do this morning as we look into the life of the, the continuing story of Nehemiah, I want to, to hopefully bring about the thought that there is a leader within you and what, what that means and what you can do as God is leading you uh, to deal with or to, uh, to, to confront this issue that is breaking your heart. Nehemiah chapter 2. Nehemiah chapter 2, we're going to begin at verse uh, 4 this morning. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse uh, 4. Nehemiah chapter 2, uh, verse, beginning at verse 4. And if you're uh, able, would you please stand for the reading of the word this morning? And now, just to set the context, we understand that Nehemiah has gone to the king and has and and then the king is noticed uh, that something was wrong, and he asked uh, Nehemiah what was wrong. And verse four, chapter two, the word reads: Then the king said to me, "What are you requesting?" So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said to the king, "If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it." Verse 6, and the king said to me, the queen sitting beside him, how long will you be gone and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me when I had given him a time. And I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me to the governors of the province beyond the river that they may let me pass through until I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall, occupy, I shall occupy. And the king granted me what I asked, for the good hand of my God was upon me. Father, we thank you today. We understand, Father, that there are situations in our world that absolutely breaks our heart. And I am convinced, Father, that uh, that there are things that are out there that you put upon our hearts. And I pray that we would be like Nehemiah, and that we would not just simply ignore them, but that we would have the courage uh, to act. And today, Father, I just pray that you would help us to see that, that though we may not think we are leaders, we do have leadership qualities within us. And there are certain things that leaders do that we can do. We thank you for your word and pray that your blessing would continue to be upon it in these moments. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Going back to the idea that there's this opposition, that's not the right word, but when, when someone says, oh, you're a leader, for so many folks, and so many folks say, no, I'm not, not a leader. I'm drawn back to what was spoken to me, and it wasn't original to this individual, 
when I first entered into the ministry, uh, as they tried to pour wisdom into me, and it was spoken to me, this wonderful, this wonderful picture. And this picture was, and the words that were spoken to me were, every Paul needs a Timothy, and every Timothy needs a Paul. And I go back to the wonderful passage of Scripture where the Apostle uh, Paul himself says, follow me as I follow Christ. The reality is that there are those who follow you. You may not realize it. You may not, you may not even be aware of it. But the truth of the matter is that there are those in your life, in your spheres of influence that are watching you. They, they know all about the fact that, that you are a church person, that you love Jesus, and they may not understand truly who this Jesus is. But the reality is that there are individuals who are looking to us. And it is incumbent upon us to reach back and to help those along the path that we ourselves are walking. But how many of you know that sometimes along this path, we stumble and we fall and we mess up and we misunderstand and we, and, and we just get things wrong? And so that is why it is so important. While we are reaching behind to helping those behind us who are spiritually not as mature as us, despite whatever age they may be, be it a young person, a teenager, or even an adult who comes to the Lord late at night, we, late in life, we also must be reaching out ahead of us and taking the, the hand of the Lord as he leads us so that when we do fall down, and we will, when we do mess up, and we will, the Lord himself can lift us up and encourage us to continue on because one of the greatest perils, one of the greatest temptations of the church today is not some of the stuff that is going on in the world, although that is a temptation. One of the greatest temptations and one of the greatest dangers for the church of Jesus Christ today is to stop is to be complacent, is to quit moving forward. Because the reality is, once you stop moving forward, you begin to move back. And um, several years ago, it popped up in my Facebook memories, uh, my daughter and I went to a, a, a lar very large church in, in uh, western Pennsylvania and, and listened to... Uh, a very uh, familiar, uh, popular, uh, isn't the right word, but Dr. James McDonald, I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He used to have a uh, radio program, Walk in the Word, on the, on the radio uh, every single day. He, he's gotten into some trouble because of uh, some folks that uh, in his church that, uh, that uh, didn't see eye to eye. But anyway, uh, as we were sitting there and realizing that the, the reality, that the thing that kept being pounded into my brain is apathy is a great, 
great deceiver. It sounds good. It sounds, in fact, the Bible says we are to rest. We are to take a rest. But the reality is so many times we take the aspect of rest and it becomes apathy and it becomes complacency. And before we know it, we heard stories in that, in that very same conference how uh, in a particular city that, that as they were driving by and they were on this uh, tour several different cities, I think it was 14 different cities over the United States, and something that they would do in each of the cities that they would, that they would visit, that they would take a tour of the city. And they had said that in one of the cities that they had just come from, that they would walk down and drive down avenues, and it surprised them that at one after another, after another, after another, churches former churches would be for sale, that there would be a for sale sign on the front of the church, and they would ask themselves, what happened here? What happened here? There used to be a vibrant life within this place, and now the, the roof is falling in, and, and, and the doors are knocked off the hinges. What happened here? And time after time after time, it was the reality that apathy kept crept in and complacency took over. The reality is that if we are going to make a difference in whatever area God puts on our heart, we have to be willing to continue to move forward. To make a difference in this world, you do not have to be the best. You just have to care the most. You just have to care the most. We live in the United States of America. We live in a culture that celebrates the best. In fact, this afternoon, some of you may be going to go home and turn on the television and watch a, a football game. And we see those men, those huge, overly paid, my opinion, um, <laughs> I was going to go somewhere with that, but I won't. <laughs> but you're going to see these men just battle it out on the, on the football field. And the reality is, is that they are there because they are the best at their, at their craft, at their, at their position in the game. And we in the United States, and there's nothing wrong with celebrating the best, but unfortunately we are lulled into this mindset that if we're not the best at something, then we have nothing to contribute. And that is simply not the case. The reality is to make a difference in this world, you don't have to be the best. I can remember back when I was st stood up there before before those wonderful folks in Fairmont, West Virginia. I wasn't the best 20 some odd years later. I'm still not the best. There, there are men uh, that I look up to and, and I think to myself every time I hear, man, if I could speak like that, I could, man, I could, I could make it. But the reality is that's never going to happen because that's not how God gifted or created me. You don't have to be the best. You just have to care the most. Look at Nehemiah. First of all, 
he wasn't the best. He was just an ordinary individual. But when he's confronted with this problem, there are three things uh, that he does and that we are encouraged to do. First of all, he defines the mission clearly. In verses 4 and 5 of chapter 2, it says, The king said to me, What is it that you want? Then I prayed to the Lord God of heaven. I like that. I want to stop there for just a moment. Taking into consideration that he had already spent up to three or four months in prayer. Here he is in this situation. He took the opportunity one more time to pray to the God of heaven. And I answered the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my fathers are buried so that I can rebuild the wall. Nehemiah knew his mission. He knew what he was going to do. He was going to help rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. And now thinking about that thing in your life, whatever it might be that is breaking your heart, what is God leading you to do? Because here's where we, in, not just in the church, but in life, we get overwhelmed when we think of stuff like this. When we look out into, a, into our world and we see a situation and yeah, man, we got to do something and I want to do something about that. And we begin to think of everything that encompasses that situation. And when we do, we realize, man, that's a, that's a pretty big task. That's a pretty big mountain to climb. And what happens more often than not? I can't do it. I can't do it. And so that, that's why I always encourage folks, you don't always have to see the end to take the next step. What's the next step? What's the next step? that you can take into what God is leading you to do, whatever it might be. Uh, this past week and the coursework that, that I'm doing, a, a class that I'm, I'm in, I have one more, and then that master's degree is mine. Woo-hoo! Um, and uh, I'm thankful for that. But I had to, write, had to write a paper about a nonprofit organization in the area, and so I chose the rescue mission of the Mahoning Valley. Wonderful organization and all that that they do and and it's so interesting that if you as I was thinking man I would really like to get involved with that but man that's a lot there's a lot there well what's the next step well the next step would be maybe contacting them to see maybe if they need some help if they need volunteers and what those volunteers could be and the next step would be actually make an appointment go there and and if they need to train uh to do whatever and then the next step would be to actually do things and and to be uh interacting with the community and the next step might be that you get the opportunity to speak to somebody about jesus and the next step would be that you would have the opportunity uh to pray with someone who would receive jesus and the next step would be you're in heaven one day and there's someone there that you help get there so a change your world kind of leader defines the mission clearly secondly makes plans carefully uh, in verses six to eight it says it pleased the king to send me so i set a time i said to him if it pleases the king may i have letters to the governors of the 
of the nations beyond the river so that they will provide me safe travel until I arrive in Judah. May I have a letter to Asaph, keeper, keeper of the king's force, so that he will give me timber to make beams of the gates and for the city uh, wall and for the residents I will occupy. Nehemiah is still a thousand miles away, and yet he's already making plans. That speaks into our life as well. Whatever this situation might be, and, and, I, and I know that it's kind of, at times, it's kind of a difficult parallel to see the, what Nehemiah is doing and what we can be doing. But the reality is, if we are going to make a difference in our world, yes, there are times when, when you need to be like me. And I'm not Mike, so you don't want to be like Mike. Uh, <laughs> that's an old commercial. Uh, everyone, when I was young, everyone wanted to be like Mike. But the reality is there are times in my life, more often than not, that something will come up and I will act. Many times, wrongly. <laughs> there are many times when situations will come up and I will say stuff. And then I realize that maybe I shouldn't have said stuff. There are times that, yes, there are times. There are times when we must act very quickly. But more often than not, we need to be people who make plans. And I understand that, you know, that the old saying about God laughing at our plans. And it's true. But at the same time, when it's something that he puts upon our heart, I truly believe that he gives us, through the Holy Spirit, the ability to plan, to make a difference. And so a change-your-world kind of leader defines the mission clearly. Um, what is God leading you to do? What is he leading you to do? What plans do you need to carefully make to carry out your mission. In other words, what's the next step? Not the end of the road, but what's the next step? That, what's that step? And thirdly, a change your world kind of leader inspires people passionately. In verses 17 and 18, and we didn't read these this morning, it says, Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come. This is Nehemiah. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. Verse 18, I also told them about the gracious hand of my God upon me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. When you find yourself in the midst of whatever that situation might be, you will find opportunity after opportunity to encourage and inspire people to join you, to join you in, in whatever it might be. I find this so often in the church. We run into folks who are 
dealing with loss or difficulty and they see the peace that we have and, and they say to us, man, there's something, there's something different about you. There's something different about you. What is it? And we have the opportunity to tell them about Jesus, that, that yes, we too go through difficulties and hardships and dark, dark valleys. But at the same time, we realize the truth of Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death itself, I will fear no evil. And it's not because I'm the smartest or the most passionate or the most gifted. David writes, for you are with me. For you are with me. We, we often think of those who inspire people to be like Nehemiah standing before a crowd and giving a great speech and, and let's go, let's go get them. And uh, I love the, the, the story I heard of a particular high school football team. This particular high school football team, um, what's a nice way to put it? They weren't very good. In fact, they weren't very good for a very long time. And somehow, some way, they were going to play one of the best teams in their area. And they were the true underdog. They were the they were they were they weren't they weren't expected to even score a point. And the coach before the game stood up before him them and said, Boys. We're not expected to do anything today. We're not expected to make a difference. We're not expected to keep pace with these folks. But I want you to know today, and this is what I want each and every one of you to do today. I want you to go out there, and I want you to play your hearts out, and hopefully we will lose by less than 50 points. <laughs> so oftentimes we think of those who inspire people to be a one who give a speech. But the reality is we inspire folks every day with our actions. And it's in the little things. Who are some of the people that you are going to need to help you carry out the mission? And how will you inspire them to join you? with you. I love that. Follow me as I follow Christ. Reaching back for those behind us. Reaching forward to the Lord as we go along this journey. Not just the thing that God puts upon our heart, but the journey of faith itself. Come. Come and see. Come and see. <laughs> I love the story of Peter and I'll close with this. Peter, I, he, he's my kind of fellow. Because Peter oftentimes spoke before he thought. And, and I'm like that. But I like when, when Peter, uh, you know, is there and, and hey, come and have Jesus. It's Jesus. And he changes a fisherman into the leader of the church. And Jesus himself says to Peter, 
come and follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men. And that's all we are called to do in the world in which we live. Have others follow us as we follow Jesus. Would you stand with me, please, this morning? This might seem a little bit different to you, talking about being a leader, and you're not a leader, and I'm still not a leader, and you're not going to convince me to be a leader. But the reality is you already are. <laughs> you already are. And it's just taking notice of who you're leading today, who you are leading today, and how you can make a difference in their lives. Father, we thank you for these good folks. This was a, was a different, different parallel from the book of Nehemiah. As he, as he stood before the king and as he uh, defined the mission that you laid upon his heart clearly, I pray, Father, that you would help us in these days. Father, as, as he made the plans to, to rebuild the wall, Father, I pray that you would help us as we think about that thing that you've placed upon our heart and how we can take the next step. And Father, as, as he inspired people passionately, Father, we understand that there are those around us who, who long for what we have. And Father, it might simply come as a simple invitation to, to come to church. Help us, Father, in these days to be all that you would have us to be. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. Help us, Father, to echo the words of the Apostle Paul. Follow me as I follow Christ. And watch the spiritual harvest that, that would take place in our world. We thank you for who you are and what you mean. And we pray that you continue to be with us throughout the remainder of this day and the days to come for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you were inspired by this week's message. We'd love for you to join us on a Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We are located at 3924 High Street Northwest in Warren, Ohio. You can also join us on Facebook Live. For more information about our ministries, or if you'd like to contribute to our ministries online, visit us at championnaz.org.